This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, colleague, and good friend, Zach Milner. Before we get started today, if you've not already, be sure to rate and review the pod over wherever you listen to your pods. Um, we are doing everything we can to try and grow this. Keep doing a lot of good stuff. We've been really pumping some things out over the last month. Be sure to follow us over on Twitter at Tag the Roll so that you can see whenever we post that we're going on playback because we are on playback all the time. That has blown up a ton as well. We appreciate everyone who's been over there hanging with us watching games, but we're always excited to have more people join. We will be going live every day of March Madness as March Madness goes on. So be there. We had a, we had some great times last week. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today, man? 
I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a crazy last week, I guess. Of we had the first four, um, then obviously the first two rounds of the tourney, and then all this week I've been <laughs> rewatching all the games that we watched last week. So just a a crazy week, but I, I'm enjoying it. How are you? How are you? I'm good, dude. Same. I uh, I honestly was just kind of basketballed out by the time yesterday hit. Um, so I went and I just saw a movie by myself last night. I went and saw Creed 3 again, which was great. Um, totally fucked up my sleep schedule, though, unintentionally. Um, it's already been bad already, so it's not anything yeah, my, to worry my about. Sleep but... schedule, my sleep schedule during this, like over the last week, has been yeah back to where it used to be, which is not where I want it to be now. Yeah. Um, I finally got into a good habit of going to bed at a reasonable time, which I still go to bed pretty late. But anyways, yeah, like it's I've been staying up a lot later watching film recently, but it is what it is. Yeah, we're making it work. Um, but no, I uh, for for those who are not aware, it just got announced by Pete Thamel from over at ESPN that Micah Shrewsbury is taking the Notre Dame job. Uh, nothing has been finalized with that uh, money wise and, and year wise, but that that is happening. Um, that's a really interesting landing spot for him. Uh, I am interested to see how that plays out, how he attacks it with uh, NIL and just recruiting in general, because he obviously did a fantastic job at Penn State. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we have a lot to dive into today. Uh, let Do you want to get started with Furman in Virginia? Because I think yeah. that's still the high of the weekend was game <laughs> one. Yeah, that's a good one to start off with. So for everyone, and this pod is mostly going to be us just going through a lot of the games that happen and talking about players from a prospect perspective, um, the ones that stood out the most or just ones that we thought that um, were good games that represent their skill sets pretty much. So nothing crazy, just a similar like pod that we've done like earlier in the season when all those tournaments and like the Thanksgiving tournaments are going on, just talking about the prospect games. Um, but yeah, probably the best, um, most fun hyped game that we got this week. So I think it's a good way to start. Yeah, um, I think I mean there are two like real prospects in this game to really dive into. It's obviously Jalen Slauson and, and Reese Beekman. Um, I my especially going back and watching, I thought both guys had really good games. Like obviously, I think Slauson's second half was one of the best halves of basketball we saw this weekend. Um, but overall, like I, I came away like not that I thought Beekman was bad the first time watching, but I think in watching the second time, I I think I caught up on more of some of the little things that he did and. Um, came away pretty impressed with his game as well. Yeah, I thought he had a really, really nice game. Um, I was particularly impressed with some of his on-ball ops this game. He had a pretty, a good amount of good reps with the ball in his hands and creating stuff. Obviously, there were a couple of times where, like, he didn't create the best space and he traveled or turned it over here and there. But for the most part, like, in the first half, it started off on the defensive end, actually, where he – was sliding with someone driving to the basket, blocked a shot at the rim with his left hand, then takes the ball down the other court or other side of the floor and gets into the pick and roll, snakes it and finishes in one at the basket. I, I thought he did a really good job just in general in this game. Um, but one thing that stands out to me when watching him is I think adding some strength will help him out so much on offense because when he's coming off of screens, you can just see like players are able to get up into him and push him up, push him off of his spot. And that sort of allows the defenders to get over the screens a little bit better as well because they're just pushing them higher and it gives them space to get over the screen. So that's not something that I'm particularly worried about because like getting into an NBA strength and conditioning program should be able to help there. Um, yeah, he is an upperclassman, so maybe you hope he's already stronger now. But I do think that's something he can work on. And 
that will just benefit his game. And probably, I think there's a little bit more like on ball upside to him than he's probably shown this year. And not that it's like, oh, he needs it to work out or he needs this extra strength to be a good player. I just think it might unlock a little bit of the upside with him. Yeah, I think what's interesting looking at him is that like I actually feel decently about his handle. Like I don't think it's anything amazing, but I think it's enough for him to get where he wants to go. Like you mentioned, I think it's like, okay, can you maybe get a little bit more out of his, like adding some leg strength and just core strength in general? Because I do think like he's not very bursty at all. Like a lot of things are coming out of uh, – like craft and patience. And I think like, he's really good with that stuff, but continuing to find anything else outside that would be really big for him. I actually came away really impressed with what he did off the ball too. I thought his off ball movement was so good in this game. Um, So much of their, uh, of their opportunities came off guys who just wheeled and found opportunities second side um, or, you know, weaving in and out, finding cuts. Um, Cause honestly, Furman's defense was pretty good in this game, but it was a lot of guarding things straight up and then things, kind of breaking down off of the backside. Like I thought he was really good at backdooring. Um, he had like four or five back a couple of them against Lawson, um, just by like getting into the paint and and hitting cutters. Um, he's somebody too. And I, obviously you never want to go like too far with this in the, well, when they play with an NBA, with NBA spacing, I do think that it is kind of applicable for him. Uh, like Virginia is not the best space team. Like it's not that I think that their offense is bad, but um, based on like how they get defended and how they have most of the year, I do think like the spacing is questionable. And I think he does play into that a little bit. I wish he were more willing to uncork things from deep. Um, and I think where his shot gets to is obviously going to be very important for him getting to the next level. But I do like, I really am interested by the drive game and the way that he was getting to the interior. Yeah, I wanted to add on, like you brought up the off-ball stuff, which I agree with, um, but to a certain extent, like, yeah, I would love just to see him shoot more from three as well. You and I have touched about it a lot this this year and we'll continue to, but volume is just important from three. And I would love to see him to shoot more volume from three. Um, his shot this year was better than it has been in the past. Like what his freshman year, 24% on one and a half attempts a game. Last year was just under 34% at just under two attempts a game. And this year was 35% at almost two and a half a game. So like everything is continuously going up like every year. Um Still wish the volume was a little bit higher, but I do think there is some reason to be optimistic about his shot going forward. And then when you have someone who can sh- like be able to shoot um, at, a, at a decent rate and defend like he can, you already have a really, really intriguing prospect. And then you take into account, well, he is doing a little bit more of these on-ball flashes as well. Whether you want him leading an offense is probably the question where the answer is going to be no, even though he is showing some of these flashes. So that puts him in one of those molds, like a three and D guard kind of thing, which is always tough. But with how many big initiators we are getting in the league now, um, I think there is room for that. Like in the past, like you wouldn't play him with another like small point guard for the most part, because then you're just going to have a really small uh, backcourt. Yeah. But when you have guys like, LeBron, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, all these guys who are much bigger and have the size, who have the ball in their hands a lot more. It's easier for someone like him who might not be someone who's leading an offense but can shoot and defend to be on the floor and play next to them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm right there with you. I tweeted about this today, but I was like, he's somebody who 
I, I can't even remember where the Nuggets picked this year, but given what they're like, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, they need another wing. My issue always comes back to them really needing a, a steady backup guard who can actually defend guards. I think that's been an issue for them most of the year. I look at him and I'm like, I think that's a perfect setting for him. Obviously, it's always not one to one, but like you could bring him into it, like a, a place like that, or even like he goes to the, the Detroit's not amazing in my mind. But like again, like exactly like you're mentioning, somewhere that has a play a player that's already initiating things. And I, because I, I do think like when you have a guy like because let's transition to the defense because I think like when you have somebody who can play defense at the level that Beekman does on ball and off the ball at his size incredibly important because i think it's one of the things where like when you look at um when the clippers have had struggles this year with their defense really not being up to par or a lot of the switch everything defenses that have like a lot of multi-faceted wings i I just think to me this year more than any year to me has been a really important reminder of hey you still need guys who can guard the best guards in the league and being somebody who can do that while being a serviceable offensive player is actually incredibly hard to find like it, it is really, like, really it's hard kind of remarkable if you think about it. Like, I think I, I didn't like pull a, a, like a ton of names up, but just like thinking about up and down rosters, the amount of players who are six, three and shorter that like the, the difference between like the volume and all-star players compared to non-all-star players is like stark. It's just in terms of like how much those guys are actually getting opportunities and what the play is like. And I think a part of that's, you know, talking to the archetype and how difficult it is to stick in the league. But again, that's that goes back a lot to Beekman's defense and how good it is. Right. And 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 to be fair, it should be noted, who knows if he will be able to defend these elite guards in the league. And I think that's a big reason to why, like, I mean, it is really tough to guard Steph or Jaw or all these like the talent in the league on the, on the offensive end at the guard position is just really, really, really tough. And even the best defenders still have trouble doing that. But that's where like the problem comes in with these players. Like, okay, if your calling card is going to be defending guards, but you still can't defend the best guards, how much value are you actually bringing to us? That's the other way to look at it. But if he is able to to hold his own there, um, you have a really intriguing prospect. Yeah. Yeah, because I think like, the off ball, like again, like he's so good at rotating. I think his rotations are awesome. He has such good hands too. Um, like he was really good at just being able to to dig into the lane. Uh, he's really good getting around screens. He's good staying in front. Like he just kind of does everything pretty well. Um, and I don't like to me at least. I don't think the phys- physicality issues pop up on the defensive end. Like obviously, I don't trust him to guard wings. Uh, but I do think like again, like guarding ones and twos, he's very good at. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think there will be times at the next level where people can just drive through him. Um, but I don't think he's like shying away from contact whatsoever. And like I said earlier, with the offensive side of things, adding strength will obviously help on the defensive side of things as well, even though he's already good there. Um, but yeah, I I think that's all I have from him um, from this specific game. Do you have anything else to add or do you want to move on to, to Slauson? Uh, I don't think I had anything else to add on him. Um, just enjoy his game a lot. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Slauson because I think Slauson was, I mean, he was the big, I mean, he was the difference maker in this game for, uh, what this team was able to do, um, in terms of actually winning this game. Like he was really impressive to me. Um, so let's look at where, where do you want to start with him? Well, yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say like, just what he was able to do 
Like, obviously, he's a really good defender, but I think he was able to open up a lot for the offense as well. And even though, like, I think he only made one three in the game. Yeah, he only made one three in the game, but they used him on some pick and pops or he'd catch the ball on the perimeter and they'd have a – he'd be able to tack people off the dribble off like from the perimeter. Um, early on in the game, he was able to get, I think, two buckets at the rim or one at the paint – like, one, like, a little floater and one at the rim – but then later on, when he attacked from the perimeter, then they had to have the help come, and he's able to hit a nice kick out. So, like, I just feel like he opened so much up for this team, or he has nice skip passes out of the post to the opposite corner for like open threes. He he pretty much opened up their offense, and they're a team that wants to get threes up. I think that's a good place to start with him. Um, even though we'll we'll definitely dive into the defense as well. Yeah, uh, I think his passing was so fun. Um, like that was part of what I enjoyed the most about this game was. Like, not that he's, you know, like LeBron or anything out there, but in terms of his ability to do stuff live dribble, um, he was comfortable in transition, uh, was really comfortable just kind of operating from anywhere with the ball in the sense. I thought particularly, though, like the stuff that they did with um, faking DHOs or just, you know, opening stuff up out of the slot was really big for him and, and opening driving lanes and giving him opportunities to make plays from there. Um, I think that's where I was most impressed with him. And then you go off that, too. Um I texted one of our group chats today and I was like, Jalen Sawson is kind of like a lot of what I wanted to see from Arthur Kaluma this year. And I don't mean that to be unfair, but I think it's in terms of like uh, the, you have the driving input together, you have him. Okay. If there's somebody a little bit smaller on him, he'll, he'll post and try and draw two, or he'll go up and try and draw a foul. And like everything it's, I wouldn't necessarily call him like the quickest, quickest decision maker of all time, but I think everything happens pretty time mannerly. Um, and he just is capable of continuing to move the ball, continuing to move himself and continuing to attack. And um, there wasn't really an answer for it with, with Virginia. They didn't really have a forward who could uh, hold up against him. Like, I think like, obviously they were bringing help a lot. I thought Caden Shedrick was really good in this game, especially this week. Yeah. I want to say, I want to talk but, about him a little bit after, um, Yeah, but, but, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think um, there's a lot of different ways you can and the team will use Jalen Slauson on offense, which is intriguing. But my question to you is where do you see his position being at the next level? That's yeah, exactly. I think that's, what's interesting. Um, Like obviously he hit a couple of big threes in this game, or at least I know he at least said one, I don't have the box in front of me. Yeah. He went one for three from three. Yeah. I think, cause that's, that's part of what made me bring up the clue aspect in terms of like his pump fakes. Like he definitely likes to pump and drive. Um, I haven't watched tons of Slauson games, but that stood out a lot. Um, I think for me, like he's going to have to get up shots on way more volume than he does right now to to do the things that he wants to do at the next level, um, to do the things he's good at, at the next level, I should say. Um, I and think one more thing I actually yeah. wanted to add is as well, like as much as I like his ability to attack from the perimeter right now on closeouts, a lot of the time it is when he has like a post opposing bigs that are more slow like they're slow footed and he has those guys defending him where great he's he's able to attack bigs off the dribble and he is able to um punish smaller guys defending him in the post so being able to attack mismatches is very very important but i wonder if he does have someone similar size similar athleticism that he has how is he going to look on the offensive end yeah i think that's a very fair question because a lot of his finishes in this game it's not necessarily him creating tons of space it's more like, okay, I'm going to uh, like use my body and and be strong. And it's not like everything was strength-based, but I think a lot of it was, and part of it, to, to be fair, like it was impressive seeing him finish through contact and score over people. 
but also like that's just a lot harder to do the next level yeah and and i actually like those possessions that you're talking about i think most of those were when ryan dunn was defending him and i actually like ryan dunn as someone for next year probably um really awesome defender defensive playmaker needs to work on the offensive game um but yeah, he had a couple of nice defend- defensive possessions on Slauson where Slauson wasn't able to get a great look. But at the same time, there were also possessions where Slauson was able to attack him. And like you said, they were the tough finishes um, that he was able to get to fall, but they weren't like the easiest finishes like he does, like he's able to get against players smaller or bigger than him. So I think that specific matchup when he had Ryan Dunn on him was the thing that I was uh, excited to see the most in that game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but I think you're like you're hitting the nail on the head for me. I think he's a four or five. Like I don't really see him as a combo forward. Um, and I think like again, like he's going to really have to shoot a lot of threes to get the ability to play the four more. Um, but I mean, I guess it goes into defense. And like, how would you feel if you had to play the five on defense? So my question to you here, I actually haven't thought about this too much. So where do you think the main differences are with him and like let's say Jeremiah Robinson Earl a couple of years ago? Uh JRE is a lot better defensively. Like a lot better. Like I don't think that Slauson's terrible. Um oh, no, I agree. I'm just saying, like, look at it from both sides, like offense and, and defense. And because I would say like when you're bringing up Kaluma, I think Slauson's a much better defender than Kaluma. Oh, yeah, definitely. So do you, I just do think you, in terms do you, of like that archetype of like right, somebody... but do you view him more similar to Kaluma or, or do you think JRE makes a little bit more sense as a comparison or like a little mixture uh, of both? It's probably a mixture of both because I think he's a lot he's a lot quicker than uh JRE. Like no offense JRE, but Jerry was oh, yeah, very sure. slow. Um but uh and I do think he has like a little bit more vertical pop. Uh because and that again that's not saying much because Jerry did not have a lot of vertical pop. Um, but, uh, no, I think that's, that's a good comparison to bring in between. Um, I think in terms of role, like it makes a little bit of sense in role. Like there's, there's very clear differences between all three of these players, but like trying yeah. to think of, of the role that you want to see. And, and JRE was another guy I was like, okay, well, what is the best position for him to play at the next level? And yeah, no, that's, I that's there's some fair thoughts there for Slauson, but I, I like Slauson a lot. Just yeah. thinking through this stuff. Well, I think for me, uh, in looking at Slauson, I, I think part of it, like uh, they played like a, I mean, they played a one through one and uh, it was a one through one that would also like kind of uh, change when ball came half court. Like it was, it was, it was weird. They played a lot of jump defense to try and really fuck up what Virginia was doing. So it was a lot of him just getting to Rome. Um, And I do think there were some really impressive moments of verticality and just rim protection in general. Like, I don't think that he's somebody who's going to be a, you know, capable of anchoring lineups as a defensive player, but I do think, um, like even like, like JRE had some room protection stuff just by being in the right places, but I don't think it was to that level. Um, but also noting like JRE's just, that's a different player defensively. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But so, yeah, I think in terms of that ability, I would have a little bit more confidence in him being able to play the five, not over JRE, but just in general. Like, I think that I can see that being somewhat viable if he continues to improve the only area where I felt like bad about him defensively. Cause in this game, like, just by virtue of how they were playing defense, it, there weren't really any reps to see him go out and defend on the perimeter. Yeah, um, there was that one possession in the pick and roll, like the, the one I was talking about earlier where Beekman snaked the pick and roll. Like it was also like that was where I th- I'm pretty sure Slauson was just like defending the screener there and he was the big there and um, Beekman got by him way too easily on that one. Mm-hmm. But that's I'm trying to think if there was more in that game. Um, but yeah, you can continue on. Continue. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, I think 
um from there like it's uh in terms of just him defensively i think uh he he did get caught watching a lot uh i think like like i mentioned a little bit earlier like a lot of the drop off and dump off passes got hit with him you know staring at the driver and somebody cutting him back door um i don't think it was like awful but it wasn't great either i don't know what he's generally been like before this um but it definitely stood out in watching cool yeah um so overall though i thought it was a really really great game from slauson i think you agree there as well yes anything else you want to touch Ooh, on with i do him? want to say the screening is good like i like him as a screener for for somebody his size i think often when mm-hmm. you're talking about like these interesting forwards, like it's guys are like, well, I hope that somebody can teach them how to fucking screen, but like, he's good at it. He's really good at opening himself up on slips too. So I think again, like that's adding another thing that makes me a little bit more interested in him is, is if he can play as a big. Yeah. And, and like I mentioned as well, ability to attack in the pick and pop or just hit threes out of the pick and pop as well um, is another skill set um, that he has. So that's great. Um, we did briefly mention um ryan den which i just wanted to shout him out again i sort of already talked about what he's good at and i'm excited to see about him next year thought he had some nice possessions on defense in this game but uh the offense is still a work in progress but i do want to go a little bit more in depth not too much but on caden shedrick because he was awesome for a lot of this game i think early in the first half there was or well he did have that one play where he i I think they were like, I don't know if he was expecting a DHO with like with, with Slauson or something, but he yeah. was a little bit late to come to one like to a pick and roll where they rejected the screen, I think it was, but his like recovery and mobility to get to the rim and block that shot was unreal. Um, but in the first half, I think there was a few times where like his hands were bad where he dropped a ball or he dropped the rebound that led to a turnover or just a missed offensive rebound, which wasn't great. But in the second half, I thought he was a big reason why they were able to take back the lead that they had. I know they threw the game at the end, but he was a big reason that they were, they were in this game in the second half. I thought he was just awesome. Yeah. He played with so much physicality in this game, which was really good to see for him. Cause I think he's somebody who has always been kind of caught between being a four and a five. And I think he really played like a five in this game. Part of it. I mean, like Furman plays a pretty small front court to be fair, but also like he legitimately dominated the glass. I think he had what 16 boards was right around there. Um, Uh, 13. Close enough. Uh, yeah, but, but four four blocks and a steal, like five stocks, 13 boards, five were offensive. Like, yeah, he he was just unreal. Yeah. And I think, like, he's somebody who I have tabbed for next year for sure because he made real strides this year uh, as an offensive player. I still think it needs to come quite a bit around because the defensive stuff is really interesting. Like, uh, like he's got size. I think he's 6'10", 6'11". He can really move. Uh, I think he has really good instincts, so it's just it can get enough offensively to really unlock the ability to do that at the next level. We'll see, but I agree. I thought it was a really good game from him. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think besides Ryan Dunn and Caden Shedrick, is there anybody else in this game that you are keeping an eye on next year, or are those the main two? Or just Shedrick? I know for me it's Ryan Dunn as well. but uh, I think it's just it's just Shedrick for me right now. I need to think more okay. about Dunn, but that's where okay. I'm at right now. Awesome. So shall we move on to the next set of games? Do you want to go to Arkansas's uh, two games, uh, the Illinois and the Kansas game? Yes. Yeah. Um, I did not rewatch the Illinois game. Uh, I didn't have the stomach to do that. Um, But uh, I did rewatch the Kansas game today. Um, I 
I mean, I think first and foremost, just have to say shout out to Devo Davis for that game against Kansas. Like Kansas was about to put them in the in the can and Devo Davis just put on takeover mode and had what 10 points in two or three minutes and then uh they were back in I the think game it was yeah i think it was like 20 plus in the second half I wanna, yeah he I was awesome say. and it was all like re- a lot of it was really tough stuff um so that was very fun to watch um ricky council had some really good moments in both these games too i actually can we start talking about ricky because i have a Let's lot of thoughts about ricky yeah no i i do too um you brought up Devo, how he was big in that Kansas game. And I, I do think there were some small times where Rick Council was a little bit like out of it. But in that game, I thought that was one of his better passing games of the season. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I tweeted about it where his his passing projections really and like just it's really interesting, right? Because I think he's shown some really, really impressive passing flashes all year, but there's also been so many times where he looks like he has tunnel vision and he's not even like looking to make the read. And um, it, it's weird. So with him, I, I want to know if it's just he needs more reps, if it's they have such poor shooters around him that he's not a willing passer and maybe just getting him better shooters around him will make him more willing to look for the right reads. I'm not 100% sure which one it is, Um but I do think I do lean on the optimistic side of his passing. Um and yeah, just more reps or better shooters, hopefully help him out there. But I do think there was a lot to like from his passing in this game. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. I thought um, a the, like like the passing was really fun, but b the the I mean, just adding that on top of what his drive game is and how effective a fin- of a finisher he is is so huge. Would um, you say he is the best perimeter finisher in this class, or would you? Does anyone else come to mind? Especially when you factor in how big he is too. Because he is like a legit six five six six. Ah, uh... because like excluding bigs, I want to say, and I obviously haven't. I don't have a full list in front of me of just thinking like, oh yeah, this guy he's better than this guy he's better than. But like off the top of my head, I want to say that I think he might be the best finishing perimeter player in this class. If there's someone else that I'm missing, apologies, but like I do think he's up there. Yeah, I think it would be me. It'd be him for me too. He uh, like he is. I, like it's the the stuff that he does is pretty special his i mean it's not quite to the same level as it was to, to open up the year but yeah do you remember still, that I, one game that, that, that one was, game that, early in the year was like, it, I, I think was that I Maui? um no i think it was i don't i'm trying to remember what game it was if i open up my notes quickly i do but like i remember saying like I'm pretty sure this is like one of the best finishing games I've ever seen. And I wasn't exaggerating. Um, it was, it was just unreal. And it might've just been um, the, was it the North Dakota state game? Maybe not. I don't remember exactly what game it was, but it was, it was in the first couple of weeks of the season and it was just, just unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting to see that from him um how do you feel about his defense so that is something that i actually was really i I liked in 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 the in the kansas game um i thought that he's really starting to get like doing a really good job executing their scheme um and helping on drives and forcing those kickouts and those cross-court passes i do think at times he gets lost on defense or he's not paying fully attention and i don't think i think he um isn't the most consistent on the perimeter as well at the point of attack. But I do think 
he showed in this game as well, where like if he's locked in, he can't move his feet with you. He has this quickness, he has the strength, he has the body, like the athleticism to actually be a good defender. But I also like how he is has shown progress with like defending within within their scheme as well. So he's not someone that I was like over the top on his defense for most of the year. And I'm not sure if I'm there now, but I just think the specific Kansas the specific Kansas game, I was I was impressed with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm 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 right there. Like I think he is has at least shown me enough to feel optimistic about where it is right now or where it's headed. Um I guess last thing I want to add on him, where would you just be at with him as a prospect right now? Because I know it's kind of all over the board for people currently. Yeah, that one is one that I'm still probably up in the air about. And I'm not sure I'll have an answer until like I sit down and just watch all of his shots together, like back, like just back to back, right? Just go through yeah. all of his shots, watch them in one sitting and and see what's going on there and, and see where I'm going to ultimately land on his shooting projection because that is one where I, I think that there's there's so much difference with like within his pull-up versus his catch and shoot opportunities to where like I don't want to use oh he's able to hit these shots off the dribble so he'll be able to be a catch and shoot guy I don't think that's going to work for him because the mechanics are so different between the two um but you could see him like in this I forgot if it was the it might have just been the uh no, it was a Kansas game. Like he had that off movement long two. Um, and then he also has like nice pull-ups that he's shown all year. So I'm I'm intrigued with the with the scoring, but it, it it's tough for him because it's one of those guys where he he is a good slasher, he can cut, he can finish, but if he's playing off the ball and he's not cutting, like our team's going to be helping out helping off of him on offense because he's not a great catch and shoot guy. Um, and if that's the case and he isn't a difference maker on defense, is he bringing that much to the floor? So I, I think where I'm ultimately going to land is just going to come down to where I am on his shot. And if I believe in him becoming a catch and shoot guy or not, the thing is though, is one weighing like upside and, and, and the floor and all this kind of stuff with the player. Like if he does get this catch and shoot game down with everything else he has, like that's that kind of guy can be like a top 15 20 guy in the class and that's something that can't be ignored i'm not going to have him that high just because i don't know where i stand on the shot but if stuff does work out for him he has potential to be that impactful of a player so he's an interesting one to to, to figure out yeah he's somebody we'll def- definitely have to go longer about at some point in the future when we both get oh, 100 a different grasp on him um well yeah let's move over and talk about anthony black um how did you feel about Ant in this game um in both games, I thought that he pretty much was similar to what we've seen all year from him. Um, maybe didn't show the passing as much as we've seen in other parts of the year as well, but like still struggling to create space and, and settling for these floaters, but also doing a really good job using his length on the defensive end, whether it's getting active hands when he's like in the pick and roll and deflecting passes. I think he blocked a perimeter shot in both of these games, actually, like closing out to someone from three, I think he had a block on both of these. Um, so I don't think there was much different um, with him in this game, in these games than he showed the year. I, I think, I mean, another play that stands out is like his his mobility is also awesome. Like he has like the the quickness and the length to be able to attack, like to tag the guy rolling while also closing out back to the wing and then sliding with him like on a drive. So like that's always really, really valuable. But yeah, I don't think there's anything too different here. Did did you feel differently? 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I felt anything different with him. Um, exactly. Like you mentioned, I felt like, I mean, a lot of it's operating in a phone booth, like Kansas collapsed so much on everything he was trying to do with creating, like, I mean, Arkansas's offense was uh, something to watch <laughs> during the first weekend to, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we, we've talked about Anaton, so I don't, I don't really have a ton to add. Uh, I think I like you're mentioning, he, he blocked Grady Dick's shot, which was that was very fun to watch. His his length and recovery skills, um, mm-hmm. while getting around screens is really impressive. But, um, do you want to talk about Jordan Walsh because there has been a lot of buzz yeah. about Walsh yeah. coming before out of we this. go to Walsh and, and Nick Smith? One more thing I wanted to bring up with Anthony Black is I know we've, we've touched on it in the past, I don't need to go too in depth, but like I do think these two games just like it, it still makes it apparent that there is some clear offensive concerns there. And is he going to be able to find his navigate his way on the offensive end to bring an impact there to where like to bring enough of an impact there to where his defense can carry him. I don't think he's ready to have a positive impact on the offensive end. Unfortunately, I don't think that's something that he'll never be able to do. Like, I think it's definitely possible to where he can improve the shot to get to a certain level or keep on working on his craft out of the pick and roll. Cause his passing is good. And, and we've talked about his patience and change of pace out of the pick and roll, but can he improve his handle a little bit more, which I think he has improved his handle this year. Um, but can he, can, can he do that more? Can he get a little bit quicker? Can he improve his shot? Like how is he going to, navigate on offense to bring to bring value to an offense and that's something that i think um was apparent all year but i think when you see it in 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 big games and probably will continue to see it because they're obviously still playing um it it looks so much more clear in big games when like oh you're down the stretch and you need a bucket here and then you get get him the ball and he just settles for a contested floater like oh okay well that's a little bit tough so yeah that's something to keep an eye out for him, but overall still a really intriguing prospect with that size and, and his feel and the defense. You you can't really uh, ignore him. Yeah, no, I agree. I was about to bring up the same thing with the push shot. Um, I think he's somebody who is going to continue to be really important just to like, that's a, that's an infill guy for sure. What's his work ethic like? Um, how do you know, like how to, how was he going to approach his development? Like that kind of thing, because um, obviously nothing's ever one-to-one, but I think it's going to be a lot of the same stuff for me with how I felt about Scotty in some ways, like, okay, well, what, wh- how is this developing out? What am I seeing more offensively? Um, again, obviously not the same thing, but I think some of the same principles for sure. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about Jordan Walsh. Um, what did you think of his two games, uh, this weekend? So overall, I thought it was a solid weekend for him. Um, he going back and rewatching, I thought it wasn't as as good as I had initially thought or that he was getting credit for, to be honest. Uh, but I do think it was still a really good weekend for him. I just think like him and it, it's the nature of the tournament, right? If you're going to make two big plays in the final five minutes of a game or of both games, it's just going to stick out to people more and they're going to remember that game more. But when you look at the game from a whole, you still see like, okay, he's still passing up these open threes or he's still biting on pump fakes and fouling an unnecessary amount of times. Um, I don't know. I think with him overall solid weekend, but I still don't think he answered any of the questions um, that I had on the offensive end. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think anything's changed for me with Jordan uh, in in this past week. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, because, like, I don't know, obviously everything's not all about having comparisons, but I do think, like, in terms of looking at what who he is right now, like, I, exactly, like, uh, I think it's just tough because looking at what he struggles with right now, like, I think the defense is really, really good, but it's to me it's more about – what the defensive projection is than it being like amazing right now. Like I think the defense is very good right now, but exactly like you said, I think he he can really struggle with overplaying things. Um, I think getting dealing with more physical matchups. Like I think he has a really good functional strength, but I do think if somebody gets into his chest, that's where you see some of the fouls come from as well. Um, like the length and the the ability to to just poke balls loose and to to be active is really impressive. And I have appreciated seeing him really buy into that and just becoming like somebody who is selling out to be an awesome defender, but also like the, I just don't feel any better about the offensive stuff. Um, The jumper, like you mentioned, like he hit, he hit one, but he still is so hesitant. And I think when you're talking about guys as being like a feel based player, having like high feel, I think confidence and ability to make something happen, uh, with your with your own shot is part of feel like I'm trying to weigh that in like uh, I I think like it's really hard to look at what somebody does where they stop the ball for seven seconds because they aren't comfortable taking anything like even like I think one of my biggest issues with Jordan is like he hasn't even been comfortable trying to post up on smalls and take advantage of that like not that it's great offense but everybody else on Arkansas does it because that's all they can do so like it's uh, I don't know like I just struggle with that like yes he does have some really nice passes and I think he can see things well like I like his court vision but I just I probably have soured on his feel a little bit or what I would consider his feel this year and I think that's something that can improve because of a lot of it's going to be the rest of his game coming along but he just has a lot of indecision and struggles to make things happen and I think that's going to that like I just look at him as somebody who is very much not ready to be in the NBA yet if we're being honest yeah, I I think it's tough. Like, if he were to leave this year, a team's going to have to be patient with him, um, because if yeah. they're if they're if they're taking him in hopes of him being able to provide any kind of like, even just being a neutral offensive player, they're setting him up for failure and they're themselves up for disappointment. It's just not fair to have that expectation. If he goes to a, a, a bad team where they're going to be patient, okay, I get it to a certain extent. Um, I, it's, I don't think it's going to look good early on. I do think that he is a really, really good defender, and he has a chance to be that impactful a defender. And I do think this weekend, like, it wasn't all defense. He had some really nice offensive rebounds and putbacks and defensive rebounds and hustle plays. Like, it wasn't just all defense, but um, – yeah, I don't think he answered any questions about him on the offensive end, and that is where most of the questions for him as a prospect come. So in that sense, I don't think he helped his stock out that much in my eyes from a prospect perspective. Yeah, I concur. Um, I I don't know. Like I, I, I was looking at this, and I think he's somebody to me that I just – and again, like I would not fault a team – for taking him if they have this long-term approach with him. But I also just think it's really tough for somebody to come in and be defense first without having anything I would consider a bankable offensive skill right now. Um, like, and I, again, I'm not trying to be 
egregious and unfair, but like the drive game really is not there yet. And I think it's less about the, like, I think it could look quote unquote better in a different setting, but I do think like he has real issues with the gather and trying to bring the ball up to finish right now. Um, I think I undersold watching him at link last year, how much they were able to play in transition and how much they empowered him to play in transition. Like maybe a team views him as being able to do that, but I don't think his passing is up to the level where I'm comfortable being like, yeah, we're going to give you all these opportunities to run things in, in transition and just push and go. Um, I think that's part of the intrigue eventually, but like the thing that I just keep coming back to is that I really want to see him get more years of development doing some of these on ball things or doing things where he can grow his game out. And I think a lot of that might just come from going back to school. And obviously, I mean, probably transferring for being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, 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 agree. I just don't think he's going to get those opportunities in the NBA or G league right now. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. Um, like I wouldn't, Personally, myself, like, I don't know how high I'd have him. Um, I'll have to put together my board soon and, and update it um, when we're done with the tourney. But, like, I know right now I would not feel comfortable taking him in the first round. I can tell you that for a fact. I just will not feel comfortable using a first-round pick on him. When we get to the second round and two-way stuff, I'm a little bit less sure. Like, okay, I, I see the defensive upside, um, so I get it to an extent. But using... Uh, a first round pick on him just doesn't make sense to me right now from what we've seen. Even if you like believe in some of the, like, even if you're like a risk taker and want to take risks on someone with high upside, I still think that's using a valuable asset on someone who just has not shown any kind of offensive skills. Unfortunately, like I personally don't even think the touch around the basket has been good this year. So it's more of like, okay, well, what is he going to bring? And it's like you said, it's, it's you're banking on him getting out in transition or getting offensive rebounds. Um, and I think if that's your calling card on offense, you, you're flawed as a prospect on offense. Um, unfortunately, um, you can't rely on that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. Um, I would not criticize him or blame him at all if he wants to leave and go to the league, because if a team's going to to give him, give him a contract, go ahead. Like, I don't blame you one bit, but in terms of like his long-term development, I do think that it will be beneficial to him to probably f- transfer somewhere and return to college and transfer somewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay. Where else do you want to go? Do we, oh, do we, I mean, we got to talk about Kansas. Yeah. Well, well Nick, Nick Smith as well. Oh right yeah. Nick, Nick Smith um, is, is an important person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess you can start with him. You can start with him. Uh, Nick did not have a good weekend, uh, to put it bluntly, like, as I mentioned during the game, a couple of times he's dealing with a knee and I mean the same knee that he's been dealing with all year and it was bothering him this weekend. Um, I thought defensively, he was really rough for me. Um, I think like very rough, uh, like you talked a little bit about Ricky with drifting in and out, like Nick is like, everything is segmented for him. Uh, like a screen happens and it's like a new play is happening. And the the first six minutes, the first six minutes of the Kansas game on defense were just really, really rough to watch. Like if you just watch nobody else on the floor, but him for the first six minutes of that game on defense, and you'll probably find five plus mistakes. Unfortunately, and I'm not trying to be harsh. I actually have like Nick as a prospect for most of the season. I do have concerns obviously, um, but it was just a really, really rough, defensive game for him uh, against Kansas. And like you said, just uh, the weekend in, in general. Yeah. Um, 
And like, I mean, he had a he had a really nice pass early on in the game, but he ends up sitting most of the game because of what his defense was early on. Like, that's just that was really stark. Um, he didn't look super comfortable getting into his stuff. Like, obviously, he didn't score in this game, but it's I don't I don't want to take too too much away from it, but it was not a banner performance for him. And I, I don't think Illinois was all that much better either. Yeah, one thing I want to add for him and for Anthony Black is I if I remember correctly on the broadcast, they did say that um first of all anthony black was like playing with a hurt ankle and he also tweaked it in that game um and i do want to say don't quote me on this not 100 percent, but i'm pretty sure they they mentioned that nick's ankle or knee was acting up again a little bit as well so i do think that is worth noting um don't want to ignore that but yeah i think in both games like not to be harsh but there was very little positives to take away from both games combined yeah i agree um do you have anything else to add? Because I don't really think. I mean, like it. It doesn't change my long term outlook on him at all. I just think, like, yeah, it was really not. It was not great. Yeah, I, I think in the Illinois game, at least, like he had that nice early on in the game. He had a nice attack in the corner where, like, he as he was catching the ball, he already was going downhill. He was able to beat his guy baseline. Tried going for the up and under finish. It actually just rimmed out, so it didn't go in. But I like seeing players who, especially when they don't have like they're not the burstiest kind of players. Something that Ty Ty did really well um, when he was in, was at Kentucky is sometimes he were to start his attack getting downhill before he even catches the ball and just gets him downhill a little bit faster. And, and that's able to help them get their pressure on the rim. And I thought Nick did that well early on in that game. And he also had a nice like finishing transition. Um, but yeah, for the most part, just overall a, a tough, a tough game from him. Hopefully um, he can, can play better this weekend. Yeah. I agree. Uh, okay. Should we start with, with yeah. Illinois before going to Kansas because they're the first game or I want to start with Kansas? Yeah, we, we, can, we can go with Illinois. Cool. So, I mean, I thought uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. was, once again, like the shot is still struggling. He had that awesome game early in the year where the shot looked great. And I think that skewed his numbers for most of the season um, because just after that game, the shot has just been struggling all year round, unfortunately. Um, but you're still able to see him like he consistently finds ways to have an impact in transition. And, and like I did say with Jordan Walsh, like if you're relying on someone to have an impact in transition, that's not the best sign. Um, so that, that should be noted, but Terrence Shannon Jr. is, I do think, one of the better, if not one of the best transition players in this class. He is just so quick when he gets the ball. And and and, and unlike Walsh, like he's someone where like when he gets the ball, I think he will beat other guys down the floor when he has the ball in his hands, or even without the ball. Like he is sprinting and, and he'll push the ball himself. I do think that is actually a skill in itself. He does need more. For him to be an actual NBA player, I do think the shot needs to come around, at least more to more than what it has been this year. Um but we've seen improvements with him with the shot still over his college career. I do think he has looked better dribbling with his right this year. I do think the finishing has looked a little bit better. The passing has looked a little bit better. So like, I do think there's a lot of things where he has shown improvement on um, that, which is why I'm more open to him and optimistic about him as a prospect, even though he is not some consistent offensive threat in the half court. There's just more reason for me to be optimistic with him. Um, compared to how I was talking about Walsh. So I, I want to make that clear. Um, but yeah, I, I still think he does need to work on his, his uh, offense in the half court. 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, like when he's able to really just get downhill, I think is when you obviously when you see the best stuff from him, but exactly like you mentioned, like until like the shot really needs to keep coming around. I do think it helps how aggressive he still is with taking the shot in general. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about that before on here. Like I think you I see think so. a lot of good things from that still. Um, but yeah, I fully agree. Like there's still a lot that needs to be done, but I'm still just really interested in where his career is going and how his trajectory is gone. Yeah. And, and one more thing that I think he does really well is I, I think that um, he does a really good job drawing fouls. And that's also something where I'm not one that only looks at like free throw rate. Cause I think it's actually really hard to translate to the next level, especially when rookies are getting a lot more of a harsher whistle. Like they don't get all the calls. Uh, but I do think he has some foul drawing craft to his game. And we are seeing it with like, not that he's like Austin Reeves level, but Austin Reeves had this in college and look what he's doing with the Lakers right now. Like he is consistently drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line. Um, and, and there is, it's a skill like foul drawing craft is a skill. And I do think he has a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you want to talk about anything else from that game? Um, I actually thought his, his screen navigation went on uh, Anthony Black this game on, on defense was actually really good as well. I, I was impressed with it there. Yeah. For sure. Like, yeah, his defense always uh, within reason pops for me. Like, I don't think that it's always like something that that blows me away consistently. But I think like the tools and upside always do. And especially when I'm baking in what it's been in the past, I always get excited. Talking yeah, about you it. and I have talked about how it was yeah. better in the past than it is now. But I do think it's fair to to um, to think about the past with, with his defense. But yeah, you have when you look at the tools that he has. Um, I, I do think there's reason to be optimistic there, even if he had a down year relative to his recent uh, seasons. Yeah, 100%. So you want to talk about Kansas now? Um, Yeah. Or do you want to do Coleman Hawkins quickly? Oh, yeah, we can talk Coleman Hawkins. Okay. Um, my, my, my thing with Coleman, I'll just say, is like I, I think it's just the same problem that's been all year with him, where it's just inconsistency, and he – We'll have a, a great play for like or a great 10 minute stretch or a great half or even a great game and then disappear for the next few games or the next the rest of the game. Like that's just the problem with him. Um that I was hoping would be answered this year and it hasn't. Um I do think he did a good job like taking advantage of mismatches when he had it. Like I think early in the game he had Devo Davis on him, got an easy hook shot over him, and then a few minutes later had a nice no-look pass at the corner. Um, did a good job using his length, but yeah, I just think consistency is my biggest problem with him. Um, and it wasn't answered this year. So I'm, I'm was really optimistic early in the year. I still am intrigued with him as a prospect as a whole, but I'm not a hundred percent. Like he just didn't answer my questions, which was unfortunate. Yeah, no, I agree. I still think I come back to just being very unsure of the shot. Um, like I really like the playmaking and his ability to be a DHO guy and be aggressive in trying to open things up, uh, as somebody who can operate as a hub. But I just think that we've seen like teams that are able to really take that, take that away, um, just by going under everything or trying to deny, uh, uh, DHOs and also going off that too. Like, okay, well, if, if they just try and make him score, I think that's where my biggest issues have been this year. Like, I don't really have a lot of faith in Coleman on drives right now and going to the rim. Like, I appreciate the physicality 
but he really just is not a great vertical athlete right now. I think he can struggle with getting bumped off his spots quite a bit. And I don't really believe in the touch right now, like inside eight, like 10 feet, you know, inside the free throw line. Um, again, like we're picking hairs and looking at, that's not the analogy, but you get what I'm saying. We're pick, we're picking nits in looking at somebody who's going like late first, early second or whatever. But I just think I would be a lot less optimistic based on what the trajectory is with his shot and just touch overall right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go on to Kansas. Um, well, can I actually wanna... bring up one thing really quick? Go ahead. I think one of the things that's really tough is when you're looking at passing and trying to pick apart, like not that passing isn't impactful. And I'm, this is not me trying to say that Coleman isn't an impactful passer who does impactful things on offense, but I think sometimes and this is something that I've thought about more and going back and looking at some guys that I really highly valued in the past. Like just because you can be a proactive and solid passer doesn't mean that you're an offensive plus automatically because of that. I think that's something I've weighed in my head a lot with Coleman. Like if you do not have the scoring to really hold up what that playmaking court vision is, it's really hard for you to be a positive impact on the court in some ways. Yeah. Um, I think, I think scoring gravity is really, important with a lot of this kind of stuff and you can go back to like even going back to Okoro when he was a prospect like he had some nice passing flashes attacking closeouts and stuff but it's like how are you going to attack closeouts and actually leverage your passing if people aren't closing out on you in the first place right just that that shooting gravity that scoring gravity whether it's a big or someone on the perimeter like just gravity in general um it's it's so important because that's where things are going to open up and make things easier for you and on the other end of the spectrum with this is sometimes you get a player like anthony edwards for example who like maybe he doesn't have the most proactive reads but his scoring gravity makes reads so much easier for him because he's drawing help defenders and okay it's like oh there's a kick out right here right in front of me it makes it that much easier so i think it can be looked at both ways right if you don't have any scoring gravity, it's hard to leverage your passing. But if you do have like extra scoring gravity, it just makes a lot of your passes that much easier. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, okay. So Kansas, um, Jalen Wilson was awesome this first half. Like I thought he was so good at using his strength and using his ability to pivot and um, just generate deep seals off drives and then go from there. And then he really struggled in the second half. So my Um, question to you before we go deeper is how much of that awesome first half from him do you think is translating to the next level? Um, And I I don't want to be harsh because he was actually really, really good. But a lot of it was just like smaller guys. It wasn't like him bullying through the bigger guys on Arkansas either. I thought like I thought it was a lot of the smaller defenders as well. So like, I don't know. I, I don't think that much of it was translatable from a prospect perspective. Um, but yeah, I wanted to know what you thought there. No, I agree. I think that's what's so tough in looking at him because he's one of the guys who I just, he's just a really good basketball player, but I'm not sure what translates. Uh, and like, I mean, obviously there are things that do, but mm-hmm. when I look at him, I'm just like, well, okay, how do we, how do you try and maximize some of the things that he does? Like, I do think a team, that takes him really needs to empower him to rip and run because that's where you see a lot of his best moments, but also, okay, what entirely does that mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like that's, 
like because I, I do think like defensively, he's somebody who I've felt is a good defender all year, but he really lacks elite length. Like I think he's maybe a plus one or plus two wingspan guy. And it really shows on like if if somebody drives and gets their shoulder into him, because I think that's when you see what what kind of length and impact somebody really has. Like that's like I think can think of very few guys who have had as many fadeaways hit over them as he has this year. And that's not meant as like a negative thing. That's just like that's going to be something very real at the next level that I think he struggles with in terms of what his length is. But um yeah. Th- it's it's tough with him because he's a he's a really really good college player. So like I don't want to undersell that at all, and I, I do think there are avenues and ways for him to be a, a a really good NBA player as well. But I just do find it interesting as as I was watching rewatching this game, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, he was able to take a smaller guy into the post and spin around them and get an end one at the rim. How often is that going to happen? Especially if that's like what's consistently happening now, like. Cool. You you probably will be able to get that here and there at the next level. Like it's not like those things are going to go away completely, but you're not going to also get 10, 12, 14 points off of that in an NBA game either. So well, that's on the one thing that is interesting to think about. Let's think of it like this. Okay, if a team's like, all right, we're going to let you rip and run, and he does get some of those early deep, deep seals or something, like I do think that he could draw help. Like if like mm-hmm. again, like if you think about it, okay, if his footwork keeps improving, like his footwork's already pretty good, but like if he continues to improve and and uh, refine what his scoring is, then I think that you can see that, and you can see him becoming a guy who can create who can create plays in the half court out of some of that stuff. But I think you're also banking on a lot happening with with hoping that that happens. Yeah, but I, but I, I do think it is fair to understand that there is a chance that stuff does work out for him. Um, even that even though that I have questioned that it's tough to translate, I, I do understand that that stuff can happen, and which is why like I still think he's a good prospect. He's just a really good college player. I I, I think it's interesting to to think about it. Where like he's a better college player than Terrence Shannon Jr. Like he he's completely a better college player than Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, but I still like. Terrence Shannon Jr. a little bit more as a prospect than Jalen Wilson. And I think it's because I see his game being easier to translate to the next level. But at the same time, I like, as I think about it more, it's like, okay, well, if Terrence Shannon Jr. shot doesn't come around, there's probably like a little bit of a chance that he's going to become like a, a impactful rotation player. Um, well, I think there's probably a couple other avenues for Jalen Wilson where like he might, like he he's more, he has more of a skill set, right? So like he can find other ways to impact the game. Um, so I do think it is interesting, but yeah, I, I think Jalen Wilson's a better college player, but I, I still prefer TSJ for now, but I don't think it's that clear cut. Yeah, no, I think you're bringing up great points. Um, How do you feel about Kevin McCuller in this game? Um, I thought he was, quiet to open up the game but at the end of the first half and through the second half i thought he was pretty awesome um just defense both on and off the ball looked unreal which is not a surprise to anyone but he is such a such a good defensive player and a defensive prospect in general and and i think that he had a couple of interesting drives as well where he got some finishes um 
same question with him as so many other players is how is the offense going to look at the next level? Like I do think he has a little bit of more, he has more of a drive game than Jordan Walsh. Like we talked about, he has more passing than I think he's able to use his passing more than Jordan Walsh does. Yeah. Um, also him and TSJ were, were, I've, I've brought up how they differ to Jordan Walsh being a negative on offense. They off, obviously they are older as well. Right. So like that should be taken into account. Who knows if Walsh had three years of college experience, maybe he is at their level now as well. So can't ignore that. But yeah, I think they just have more to their game than Jordan Walsh does. And um, that that's how I felt about him though. It was just such a, such a fun defensive player to watch. I agree. I really enjoyed getting to watch him play in this game. Um, especially as you mentioned in the second half, like I, hated that his college career had to end with those fouls. Like I, d- I did not love the way this game got called. I think it was tough with how physical it was, but I mean, it ended up killing Kansas with him and KJ both fouling out. But um, yeah, that was tough the way that ended. One more thing I wanted to add though, is I think like he, there was like two or three times this game where he sort of got like, not, wouldn't say fully thrown out of the way on a rebound, but he did not do a good job keeping Arkansas off the offensive glass. And like, it was very apparent and in some big moments as well, I I thought that like he, he wasn't able to like just keep them off the offensive glass pretty much. And I I think that's definitely noteworthy. We're like, not that I would want to play him as a small ball five, but like, I, I, I think he needs to, um, that is not his pathway to success. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But it, it, it wasn't good to see in, in that aspect, though. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um. Oh, Grady. I thought this was a like it was an okay game from Grady, but not a great one. Uh, I think he did some good stuff. You know, obviously as a cutter. Uh, I one thing that we we talked about on on stream when we were watching this, or no, not this game. Uh, other. Other can no, we didn't watch either can't see fuck my time. Well, we we definitely talked about Grady at some point, but like his uh his ability to follow his own misses is so impressive to me. Like, obviously, you don't want somebody to miss, but it's going to happen. And I just really appreciate the way that he follows him. Like, he's one of the best offensive rebounders pound for pound. That's not a big, in my opinion, in this class. Like, he's just really good at that. So I always, you know, I always enjoy that aspect. Yeah, I was gonna say it was a pretty quiet game, um, but like the two things that were that stood out was like always the off ball movement and his ability to to track rebounds. And it wasn't just on offense; he had a couple of nice, or uh, maybe just one nice defensive rebound as well that was contested. Um, still think that he just can't create anything for himself on offense. Um, that's still a flaw of his that will probably not go away. But that's fine. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that if he's a really good offensive or a really good off ball mover with good touch when he is able to get to the rim, whether it's off of cuts or attacking a closeout. Um, crafty finisher, I think um, I probably gave him a little bit too much of credit as a finisher early in the year because while they were all really, really tough finishes that were going in, it probably wasn't sustainable to to make all those um, consistently, which I think the finishing numbers have uh, dipped a little bit, but still crafty finisher. Um, but yeah, when you're an off-ball shooter, off-ball mover who can shoot at that size, um, it, you're, you're already intriguing, even if you can't create for yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think what helped for me, his defense didn't stand out in a bad way in this game. And I think that's been a trend, obviously. Like, I, we've talked about this before, too, that his defense has improved throughout the year. Um, 
But I think, like, again, it just kind of stood out how quiet he was in this game. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting, though, right? Like, I don't think, like, out of Grady, Jordan Walsh, Nick Smith, and Anthony Black, like, all those four freshmen, I wouldn't say, like, I mean, I guess Jordan Walsh probably had the best weekend of the four, like relatively. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of them played. Like, I, I think Jordan Walsh played. Jordan Walsh played well. I don't want to say he didn't play well because he he did. He just didn't answer my questions. But like Nick, Anthony, and, and and Grady all had sort of like quiet weekends. And I guess from like looking at it from like Arkansas's perspective, they were carried by Devo and Ricky Council. Um, there's still some like. Sure, it's been a problem all year with their spacing and their offense being all non-existent almost. But like, if you get a little bit more production from like Nick or Anthony on offense, Anthony Black on offense, like there's still more room for this team to grow. Like they they got to Sweet 16 without their three like heralded freshmen actually playing that well. Yeah, no, and that was that was kind of remarkable to think about because um, I think like I mean to me I before this game. I think you and I both talked about like, yeah, we're pretty confident that Kansas is coming away with this one. And I mean, here we are. Uh, so yeah, it's, I- I'm interested to see what they put together and how they keep going, but um, I fully agree. Uh, is there anyone else we need to talk about from Kansas? No, I'm, I'm down to move on to the Indiana game. So the Indiana versus Kent state and then Indiana, Miami, and then that could transition us into like talking about Miami in general and then them versus Drake. Uh, yeah, TJD against Kent State was probably the best game that anybody's played in the tournament, in my opinion. Uh, he was insane in this game. Uh, the defense was, I thought, like, I thought the, um, the, the offense was obviously very good. Like, he really picked them apart late. They just had no answer for him. Uh, but the defense was just nuts. Like Kent State could get absolutely nothing in the paint because he was um, flying in from seemingly everywhere to to just blow shit up at the rim. I think he had he had eight eight blocks, it was seven or eight blocks in this game, and it wasn't just the blocks. It was like just the overall like his presence deterred so much. Um, and, and to be fair, like sincere Curry, Car- 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 Jesus Curry, sincere Curry got hurt during warmups. Um, like he did something to his ankle during warmups, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I do want to be fair with that. Like that definitely impacted their ability to get into the paint, but, um, so did Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, he is somebody that as the season has gone on and especially like, I, again, I don't want to take too much away just from watching the tournament, but I would, like, I really believe in his ability to be a next level player. So, yeah, to add on that, well, first of all, it was five blocks, just so we're clear. Okay, um, I don't know why I thought it was. It felt no, no, like I, more. It was like, it, no, it, was, his, it was an impactful his defense, five. His yeah. defense and his rim protection were really, really awesome. To, to go off of that, I am much more open to him as a prospect now. I mean, it obviously always was a prospect. I'm much more open to him being good now than I was in the past. I think he's a really, really good player that I can see being a really good player at the next level as well. I still have some questions with his game because, I mean, I, I think that my, my main question with him and my main concern is I still don't think he has great touch. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. No, not at all. And and that's my problem where like, okay, I, I do think like, and even in the 
Miami game that we'll get to in a little bit. He has some a short roll passing in that game, but like, okay, you use him as a as a as a roller, right? He's a good vertical threat. Like he can he can dunk. He can he can finish plays, roll into the basket, um, but and he can make passes. But I don't think like when he's rolling, I, I don't think he's as good as a finish as a finisher as you want him to be, and it's a little bit tough to where him not having great touch when all of his points come into paint. That's where my big concern is. Um, if he had shown a little bit more of like, okay, show a little bit of a mid range game or um, I don't know with him. It's just all of his points come into paint. And I don't think he is particularly a good finisher um, for that to be his main calling card on offense. Um We'll also take into account, like, sure, he's a great defender. I think he'll actually be a positive defender at the next level, but he's still going to have his limits on that end because he is a little bit undersized, right? So it, it, it's tough with him. I do th- want to say one more thing is with his passing, his passing out of the post is awesome. Um, but like we talked about before, if your touch isn't that great and then you you're not able to draw that second defender. Are our NBA teams going to be doubling you in the post? Are you going to be able to leverage that kind of passing? And I think if you have a good cutter, even in single coverage in the post, yeah, you can still make some nice passes, but it won't be there as often. So that's the the pessimistic side of looking at him. Um, but overall, like I, I still like him as a prospect. I, I still am intrigued with him. But that's something that I'm trying to figure out is – where do I think his his impact on the offensive end will be because I'm not as into his touch? Yeah, no, I, I, I concur with that. I think what does help me with that, at least, and, and you know how I've kind of thought about it, is just how, like, he is not somebody who's going to pause and wait. Like, he's going up that bitch. And I think that helps, especially, too, with how good of an offensive rebounder he is. Um, like, obviously, that can't be everything. And he does have real size limitations that I think are going to play out at the next level a little bit. To be fair, like, he's extremely physical. Like, he is very good with his physicality. Um, he so plays a me, lot bigger than he is, and he has the wingspan. And he is a lob threat, too. Like, he's a very – like, he's got a very big vertical and a catch radius. But um, – so there's at least, like, a little bit of buffering with it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And, and I'll say, like, with me – I think I'd be like more willing to forgive the touch aspect of things if like he was like some outlier effort kind of motor guy. And that's not to say he is not an bad effort kind of guy. I think he's perfectly fine there. Just like if he were like one of those guys that was like just playing 110% nonstop, we're like, oh, I missed a layup. Okay, I'm the first one back off the ground to get my rebound, and I'm going to go back up with it like three times until I finish. I think that would be like, and that's a lot to ask of someone. That's unfair to ask of someone, but like if he had that part of his game, I think I'd be more willing to forgive the poor touch at the rim. I don't know if I want to say poor touch. Um, underwhelming. Underwhelming, yeah. I, I think underwhelming is the right way to put it. So that that's, that's where my concern come is, comes from. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I do think one more thing to actually bring up is their spacing is not ideal to where like he normally has like, okay, when he is one to the basket, he has to go around two players, which can make it difficult for him to finish as well. But like on the other side of that, I still think like even when he has a smaller guy on him in the post, there has been times where he just hasn't been able to finish in single coverage. So 
Yeah, I, he's someone where I am probably, I'm definitely higher on him than I was in the past. I think he's an incredible college player. I think he is able to have a positive impact on defense. Um, and, and maybe the offense is good enough to where he's a positive NBA player. I think that's definitely possible. Would not question someone whatsoever for using him a first round pick on him at the end of the first or even early second. I think that's very reasonable. I just personally am still lower on the offensive side of things that I'm still trying to figure out myself. No, that's totally fair. Um, you want to talk about Jalen Hushfino? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a really uh, – I think particularly in the Miami game, like I don't think that he was bad against Kent State. I didn't think that he was awesome. Like it wasn't really – like I don't think that it was a standout performance by any means, but Miami was rough, man. Um, and I, this is – I'm not – okay – I want to be fair in this. Like, I do not want to use this just to say, like, this is why you shouldn't draft Jalen Hutchifino this year. This is more like this is the game where I think a lot of my concerns popped up with JHS as a player. Like, when the really difficult contested mid-range stuff isn't there for him uh, and he's not willing to take stuff from three, uh, what does that look like? And I think the Miami game is, a, like, that's – that's what it looks like. Like, it's not going to be like that every game, to be fair. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be balanced with this. But that was a lot of what it was like watching him in Montverde at times. Um, and to be fair, he has gotten better at stuff this year. But I do think it's always, like, this is what I've thought about a lot with him. And I know you and I have talked about this a ton. But when you're looking at what it is for him in the NBA next year, like, okay, well, what happens if his shot falls back off? What if he's back to shooting 29 30% from three? And he's still kind of unwilling from there. Um, or, you know, what happens if he's not shooting 50% of mid-range shots and it's like down to 40? Like, that's just a lot harder to carry, especially considering that a lot of his value is coming from the playmaking. Like, I think that you just it, – it, it, I just know from, from feeling like that aspect out, I feel like coaches are going to be a lot less willing to play that kind of player than people are anticipating. So, yeah, just to, to add on to the Miami game, I thought that it was, not to be harsh again, but it was probably one of the, I don't want to say the worst prospect performance that we saw this tourney, but I do think it is, like, down there. It was a really rough one that's probably covered up by that hot shooting in the last three minutes of the game where he hit, like, three threes in a row to help them come back a little bit. Um, when the game was sort of out of reach already, though. It was a rough game. Um, particularly, I thought his defense was really, really bad in this game. I thought that he got beat on the perimeter. This is, sorry, I, this is Miami game, not Kent State. We'll talk about Kent State after. Um, I'm jumping ahead. But but yeah, um, I think his, his pick and roll defense, or just his point of attack defense in general, he got beat off the perimeter way, way too often. Um, but... I don't know. I, I think that like he had some awesome in, in both games, like some really awesome off ball, like stunts and digs, to, like disrupt drives. Like there are times where he, his, his stunt or his dig, like completely stops someone from driving to the basket. Even if he doesn't get a hand on the ball, like, Oh no, they're, they're kicking it out. He's there to help. And he's kicking it out. I like to see that out of him. Um, I thought while his, I don't think he forced as many passes, that I have seen him in the past. Um, I don't think his decision making was particularly good here, but it has been a problem of of mine in the past where like he 
forces stuff that's not there. And I think he still forced some bad shots here, but I don't think the passes were as forced, um, except for that one entry pass where Jordan Miller came out of nowhere and just swatted it away. Um, sick. Jordan. Miller yeah. Had, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. We'll, we'll talk about him. But yeah, I actually think that Jalen Hutchinson had some, some really awesome passes in the Kent state game, live dribble with either his right or his left hand or in the Miami game where like, they're trying to, to hedge or like to trap him out of the pick and roll. And he's able to, he has decent enough size to just jump and pass right over them. And that's how he's able to get the ball to TJD on the roll. And then TJD is able to have a nice short roll pass, kick out for an assist or take it himself. So I do think there was some positive to take away from him. And um, I, I want to say there's that, that back to the Kent state game, um, had a couple of nice takes to the rim as well. Like I, I think when you like take everything together and this is why it's so intriguing to talk about him is because if the shot does come around though, if he is like a really good shot maker from the mid range, if the three is there um, and you take that with his size and some of the defensive stuff that he still has in his passing, that's a really, really good prospect like the, the intrigue with him is 100 there and understandable um it's just is he going to be able to put everything together and play that level consistently um outside of this miami game what have your thoughts been on his defense as a whole because i i do think it was really rough in this in, in this miami game but as a whole where, where have you thought it has been yeah i've generally felt very good about his defense throughout right. the year um, like I, I really liked watching his defense in Montford. I think it's been good most of this year. Um, but I agree, like the Miami game was was a low for him. Yeah. So but that that's the thing, right? Like if, if we're talking about him as as a as a prospect, cool. Yeah, that was a bad game. But if if he's shown shown good stuff there generally, you take that with the passing flashes, the size, the shooting flashes, and like, oh, that's a really good prospect. But yeah, is he going to put stuff together? Um but he has shown that he can't shoot off the dribble. He can't shoot off movement. Um, it's just, yeah, it won't be consistent enough. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, all right, well, let's talk about Miami because uh, Jordan Miller was the best player in that game. And that I think sick. Jordan Miller has been, whenever I watch Miami, I think he is, ooh. I, I guess I'll say, I, I think he is clearly their best prospect. Um, even like taking into account long-term guys, like who could be a prospect in the year or two. Like, I, I think he's their most NBA like prospect. Uh, I think he stands out the most whenever watching them. And sure, like Isaiah Wong's good. Nigel Pack's good. Amir's good. Like Poplar's good. Like they have a lot of good players. I just think he has the best skill set for the NBA level right now. And he's also just really really impactful another one of those if he shoots guys unfortunately but like he is not just all defense like yeah he's really quick defending the perimeter and he's really smart like off ball as well like he's an awesome defender but he's also a good good passer good slasher able to finish around the basket has a pretty decent handle um as well just a, a a really good player in general to where if the shot does come around i think he's an nba guy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the de- I mean the defense is so awesome. Like, legitimately one of the best defenders in college basketball. And like he can do stuff on the ball. He's a good chaser. He can rotate. Like he does kind of everything. I don't think that he's like some super versatile on ball defender. Like I think he does good stuff on the ball. But I do think like that's like my like to me the best version of him is what he does off the ball. Like we're just talking yeah. about. Um, 
but that's all that's the huge thing like yeah but like even at his size like you can like not that you want him defending guards definitely not but like if he gets switched onto a guard for a possession or two you're not like oh no we're in trouble like he's actually quick enough to where you're like okay i mean it's not ideal but it is what it is we can still defend here right yeah no for sure um he's somebody who i think will i really i really i would take a swing on him Oh, oh no! I would 100% draft him. Like for me, I would 100% draft him. I don't know if I can say first round, but I, I honestly like. I don't think that's crazy. I really don't think it's crazy to say Jordan Miller is a back end of the first round guy if you are someone that's confident in the shot. I really do think he has so much of that connective passing, that really good defense, is a good finisher, a little bit of so I think. Well, I've been really optimistic here. I do think in these two games, the Drake game and the Indiana game, there were times where he did try to create shots for himself and they did not look great a lot of the time. There were times where like there was that one where I think he just drove right through TJD and bumped him off his ball and finished at the rim, which I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so in terms of like his slashing and his drive game, I think that is okay. But he does like settle for a little bit of like turnaround jumpers at times or fadeaway jumpers, which is not good. Um, but that's not going to be his role at the next level. I think he's able to like scale back a little bit. And, and if the shot comes around, I, I don't think it's crazy at all to think of him as a first round guy. Um, but yeah, I'm not there yet, but I would say like, I'm 100% okay drafting him um, this year. Like I, he'll, he'll, he will be in my top 60, probably like top 45, top 50 and who knows even higher. Yeah. No. I agree. Um, did you want to talk about any of the other guys in this game? Um, so I want to – not done with Jordan Miller. I think there's a few more things we can talk about, actually. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I also want to say, like like I was talking about and his ability like with the on-ball stuff, I think, like, there was there was that play – they actually ran back-to-back plays where they got him the ball and um, he, he – was driving i think well like when he has downhill momentum already he's actually an okay guy creating for himself at the college level don't think that will translate that much um but like from a standstill that's where i get a little bit questionable but going to someone else um ruga poplar i thought had a really solid weekend in, in both games he had some really solid stretches for them not someone that i am looking at this year um but definitely someone that i will be keeping an eye on next year as someone who can break out but just talking about miami as a whole and, and having popular with Isaiah Wong and Nigel pack, like they got a really awesome Nigel pack game in the first game while Wong was struggling. Then they got a really good Isaiah Wong game in the second game. Like having that kind of guard play in the tournament is so, so valuable where you can have any player go, like you can have two or three different guys go off for 20 plus in any given night where like if one guy struggles, you have someone else to, to step right in and hopefully they have a good game. They are, a really, really fun team to watch. You and I talked about it early in the year where we thought they were like not living up to their expectations and now they're a Sweet 16 team. And I really can't wait for their game against Houston, but I guess we'll talk about future matchups later. But I just yeah. wanted to give them all a quick shout out. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, And I, Wuga is somebody I definitely want to come back and talk about more, especially after this weekend because like his defense and athleticism and just ability to impact the game was really fun to watch i, I need to have more concrete thoughts on him before we talk more in depth but yeah, like, he also had was... a couple like he had like back-to-back dho threes as well um 
Yeah, he's definitely someone we'll, we'll talk about soon. And if not, like before the draft, like he, I doubt he's leaving. So he can be in like our returning pod. So we'll definitely, definitely. come back and talk about him. But shall we move to Drake? Because Miami yeah. played Drake. Um, and there's Tucker DeVries that deserves some some conversation. Yeah, because part of – so Tucker DeVries went, what, 1-13 of 13 in this game? Is 1-13 of 13 or 1-12. of 12. And Wuga Poplar was a big reason for that, man. Wuga Poplar was so good. Just A, chasing him, B, closing out on him, C, being cognizant of where he was at at all times. But also, Tucker just never really looked comfortable in this game. Um I thought the most comfortable threes he took were like the deepest ones he took. Um, honestly, like he had uh, he had one three in this game. That was it. Um, and it like I, it was it was a really tough showing for him. I don't I don't want to say that it was all just like uh, it was like the like all of it was accounted to because he's playing as better athletes, but it didn't. <sighs> This game does not help to to issue some of to, to erase some of the, that as, yeah, a, so, as a talking point. Yeah. So to expand, like I thought that he did get several good looks in this game, and those shots weren't falling, unfortunately. And that stuff I don't really care about because everyone has a bad shooting game. It happens when you're dealing with a one game sample size. You're going to find some players who have this kind of stuff. I, I thought there was like three or four shots that he could have easily made that didn't go in. There's one shot that I think was like halfway down and rimmed out which i'm like yeah. I, I watched it like five or ten times i'm like how does this not go that in? one was tough because they like hung in the rim too yeah no, it was yeah. it was like below the rim almost like i was like okay how did this not go in but anyways yeah. like moving on like when he like and those were most of his threes like i think most of his threes did not fall because it just wasn't his day but when he was trying to create um, to get to his mid-range or get to his spots like he has in the past, he really struggled creating good looks and, and creating space. And you could see that with multiple guys defending him. Like Jordan Miller, going back to him for a second, was on him with like seven seconds left in the shot clock. And Tucker DeVries was trying to get a good look and he couldn't even get a shot off. Like, I think there were definitely times where like you can't, where, where like the, oh, the better competition, the better athletes was apparent in this game. Um, even when ignoring, he just missed some open shots. And then like, even on defense, he looked like so slow footed and like heavy on his feet on certain possessions as well to where like, there was a few times where he got dusted by, or like there was one time where he would have got dusted by, but like there was a foul that was called. So it didn't end up not happening, but yeah, overall, a really unfortunate showing for him um, to where it's it's tough because when you're, when you're playing at a Drake and you don't get many high, um, high major matchups people don't really have like much else to go off of besides one tournament game against a good team so like unfortunate for him to where like people are going to hang on to this um but it is fair you don't want to hang on to one game but like i don't know it's hard to erase that one from your memory it, it was worrisome especially because some of it was like okay he is actually just being locked up and not being able to create space if, if, if it was just like missing five or six open shots, but like he was able to get to other shots that he normally does, I'd be like, okay, just a, just a, a bad shooting game. It happens. But him not being able to create good looks, I think was, was the problem where it comes from. Yeah, no, I incur in full. Um, Okay. Who do you want to talk about next? Uh, so should we just talk about the Purdue, the Purdue game for a second? Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, obviously fairly Dickinson won um which was monumental 
Uh, I just like I tweeted about this over the weekend um because I got very annoyed by it. Um this was not on Zach Eady for them losing. Like the their guards just struggled so much uh with what Fairly Dickinson brought. Um, it, it wasn't even I, all the guards. It was it was pretty much every it was pretty much everyone besides Eady. Yeah. Um like they really struggled with okay, like I thought the the biggest differentiator for me w- was how uh, Fairly Dickinson just like kind of erased their fours. They're like, okay, we're not defending Mason Gillis. We're not defending Caleb first. We're going to double slash triple team the post and make everybody else make plays. And that works pretty damn well. Uh, I mean, to add if- on to that, to add on to that, like whenever they brought up their like their full court trap in the press, like, okay, great. Whenever Mason Gillis would get the ball, trying to bring it up themselves or himself, okay, they're running from behind and stealing the ball from him as well. Like they wanted, them to get the ball like sometimes out of the guards' hands and into the forwards' hands to make them break the press, but then they would get the ball stolen from them as well, and that's how like some turnovers happen. So, like you said, nobody else was able to help EDL and they missed open shots. And then after like once they got down to those final 10 minutes, they just like, oh, I don't want to shoot anymore either. They lost all their confidence, they were completely rattled, completely shook. And I mean, props to the whole Fairly Dickinson team. Um, Sean Moore was everywhere it was it was really fun i think he had some like he had some really rough shots as well where like he bricked them pretty badly but like he was everywhere on defense and on the glass and had some crazy finishes has a had a couple of really big shots so props to him props to the team but yeah Edie did what he could in this game and he just needed a little bit of help and he didn't get it yeah no precisely um what else uh let's go to kentucky kansas state yeah um, how did you come out of this game? Like, how did you feel about this game after watching it? So this over- is mostly from a case in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I thought this game was a pretty spot on representation of case and skill set. Um, like, I don't think it had anything. What's like, I don't think it had everything because I mean, it's tough to get everything in one game, but you can look at his first half and you can see his struggles with creating space and all that kind of stuff. And, he still had a really nice defensive play. He made a tough three, but it was a lot of, okay, I can't create good looks. I can't, I have like four or five turnovers in this half. It is what it is. And then you get to the second half and you see him get to the basket and finish a couple of times. You see him making more of an impact out of the pick and roll with some really nice passes. Um, so like, I think it showed his his flaws and his struggles early on. Um, which how we can still find some impactful plays. But the second half was like, okay, well, if if stuff does work out, here is what a ceiling could look like. Um, I will say a question to you that I want to ask is how Marquise Noel was absolutely incredible this game. Shout out to him. How many guards in the NBA do you think are quicker than him? Not many. Uh, That dude is fast. And he's strong too, to give him credit. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Case, Case Case and struggled. Yeah. On like on both ends against him, like like Kaysen actually couldn't stay in front of him at times as well, and then on the other end, like Noel's giving up several inches, and Kaysen's getting beat to his spot and bumped off of his spot, which is that's where, like I said, okay, it shows the flaws as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought that's a good representation of of Kaysen's game. Doesn't have everything, but like I think if you're if you're trying to to see a skill set, this is one that I'd recommend for sure. Yes, I agree. I thought it was cool. Just like his push shot touch game was was really good in this. Uh, he had a big off dribble three, which mattered. 
Um, and I thought like the defense against not Noel was good. Like he had some really good possessions yeah. for Sean at Keontae Johnson. Um, but exactly like you're mentioning, I think like he is not going to be a guy I really trust to guard small guards. I don't, but I mean, to be fair, like, I just don't think that that is his role in the next level anyways, but um, yeah, that was Marquise Noel was awesome in this game. Yeah. Put some respect he, on his name, John. Collins. He was, he was incredible. Um, But yeah. So, so I guess my question to you would be if you're not so like, Kaysen's calling cards coming on the defensive end for most people, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not trusting him to defend the quick guards, um, what do you think his ideal role is on defense? Like, is he, you want him on like a, a Jordan Poole kind of guy, which not every team has that, but like, is that what you're hoping for? Uh, probably, yeah. I think like a two, three, like whoever your hybrid wing creator is, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the ideal role and whatever can allow him to be off the ball as well and just like kind of muck things up off the ball. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, but I, it should be worth noted, like as him, we're like, you sort of wish that he could stay with those quick guards. And to be fair, like we mentioned earlier with, with Reese is like, well, it is tough to guard the explosive guys. Like even if you're the best defender, sometimes they're just too good. But Always worth noting. Um, what would you say his best offensive skill is? Uh, well, I do want to actually shout out in this game. I was really impressed by some of his rim finishing. Uh, like he had some really impressive adjustments around the rim to to help and to contact um, that stood out. And I think to me, like. It's tough because I think the finishing is what is kind of impressive, but he struggles to get there. That, that, that's so what I was sort like, of getting at. That's what I was getting at. I, I tweeted this yesterday, right? I said, like, I mean, his craft, he, he has nice crafty finishing around the rim. Um, I think it is his best offensive trait, like 60, 64.2% at the rim, 60% at the rim in the half court. But the question is, is he going to be able to get there consistently enough or at a, at a high enough rate for it to actually matter and, and be noteworthy at the next level? Um, Cause if he can't get that pressure on the rim, then you have some questions. Um, but yeah, I, I think that is, I, I I would take his, his finishing as a better trade than his, his shooting. Cause the shot has, has definitely fallen off to where it was early in the year. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so where are you, where are you on him as a whole? I still am on like probably lower end of the lottery with him. I like, I don't think I could really get him above 10 for most, for the most part right now Um, with where I'm at with guys. Like I just, he's somebody I want to go back on and rewatch a bunch of stuff. Cause I do think he got better as the season went on. But like you mentioned too, I do think the shot fell off a little bit. Um, Are you of the opinion that he has one of these high, like I've seen multiple takes of, oh, he has the highest floor or like he's a can't miss kind of prospect, even if he doesn't have high upside. Are you on that? Or do you think like his his floor is somewhat low? Uh, I don't know if I want to call it like a low floor, but I'm not there with the, this is such a high floor player. Like I think, there are legitimate concerns to have about Kaysen and whether or not, like, I, I when you're six foot three, it is really hard to not be somebody who you can trust to run part of the offense. Um, like, again, like, everything is team dependent, like, so that plays a part for sure. But I, I would struggle with, 
just saying that he has some super high floor because of that, because then you're talking about a like a six three three and D guard who can hopefully do some stuff off the dribble. Like I that's not to me, like I I don't know if I view that as super high floor. And that's not to be underselling him, but I just think like when you're talking about what especially the floor when like, could like be, like if the shot was consistent all year, or if he was able to stay with the smaller guards, I'd be like, okay, well then I see it. But like when with those other being potential concerns, I, I, I'm I'm there as well to where like I don't think it's in high floor, and it doesn't mean like I I think that he's he always finds a way to impact the game, um, even when he's having a rough game. So like I give him a lot of credit for that, and it doesn't mean I don't think he's more likely to have a a decent role compared to other players. Um, but I, I definitely don't think he is some can't miss prospect where like, oh, I just want to save pick let me a case in. I he might be one of the safer ones, but I I don't think it's like, yeah, th- this is the guy that's going to make sure that we get a rotation player. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Duke guys? Yeah. I want to I want to shout out Naquan Tomlin as well quickly from oh, Kansas yeah. State. Um his his length in this game was was so apparent where like he was getting his hands on a lot of passes or getting strips on drives um he was just a lot of fun like his length was just really really helpful on 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 steals and blocks in general yeah no he was fun to watch i still am not like he's again he's a guy that i think we should talk about at length in the future Mm -hmm. um but he was in this game just Uh, just a disruptive defender just a really disruptive defender in this game he moves his feet really well too um okay let's talk about the duke guys uh obviously duke bowed out against tennessee that game we watched on playback uh i think you and i were both a little bit surprised uh we're not maybe not surprised but like you know i i actually thought i thought I thought Duke was favored, but I, I was saying that, like, I think people are definitely underrating this Tennessee team, even with Sakai Ziegler out. I think they've actually looked pretty solid without him. And another thing that I've said on a lot of our playbacks and I've talked to you about is I really, really love watching prospects go up against this this Tennessee team. We talked about it when Case and played them earlier in the year. And it doesn't matter whether you regard a wing or a big, they will have stuff for, like, they will help you they will expose some of the questions about your game and, and they will help like pick you apart and, and, and try to answer questions about your game. Like whether you're a guard, I mean, they have like, they're just a really good defense and it's hard to get to the room against them. Um, but when you're a wing, they're a physical team. Or when you're a big, they're a physical team where it's like, okay, how are we going to get easy looks to get them like on the offensive end? And I think that we, it's tough, right? Because I, I think with how their defense is, we weren't going to get, especially with how Derek Lively plays, right? We weren't going to get like many answers on on Lively, like looking like a better offensive player because he's just been struggling there all year. But like on the other end of the things, where like I don't think Tennessee without without Zakai Ziegler, there it's not easy for them to put pressure on the rim. Um, so it's like I don't even think we got to see. Derek Lively's rim protection as much this game as we have in like the recent weeks. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. He was just like not saying that he wasn't in the game, but like he was very quiet. Like there just wasn't a whole lot of spots for him to make impact. Like so much of Tennessee's offense was coming out of everything that they were doing, trying to go east-west with Viscovi running off 8,000 screens. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's a great point. And then offensively, like not the Duke was not exactly doing a great job of getting into the paint either. Um, which is part of what is not difficult in talking about this. Like, I think in both games, because we 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 talked about Oral Roberts, but like in looking at both games, uh, I think Tyrese Proctor's comfort and ability to get into his game in the mid-range was really exciting. Like just that overall ability to uh create some separation with step backs and uh behind the back and like I thought his handle looked really good how many times did he actually get to the rim in this game against Tennessee and same against Oral Roberts and that's not again that's not me trying to diminish him but I do think like it was it was a little bit stark in seeing that and I do come away generally underwhelmed with his playmaking overall like I think part of the issue in the Tennessee game was how willing they were to cheat over the low man and I don't think Tyrese hit the weak side corner once. And that's, I know that seems like. I think, I think he had one, I want to say. I, th- I think he did have one or two, but but yeah. But I mean, yeah, like point being like that pass was there the entire night. And I think that part of the issue was like, they really needed him to be able to hit that. And he, he's not, that's not where he's at as a passer right now. And I think part of that too, like he's not really a true one. Like they need Jeremy Roche to be more of that guy. But I, I mean, to be fair, they also need Tyrese to be the more of that guy. But like that, it's just, and I, again, I'm not trying to undersell him because he did some really good things offensively that were very fun to watch. But from uh, looking at, okay, this guy carrying usage, I do think that that stood out quite a bit. Yeah, in general, I, I think that the last like month and a half for, or two have been very promising for Proctor, though. Um, he, his, his craft and the shiftiness has definitely shown a lot more recently where I agree. You do need to get to the rim more often to have a consistent impact because I don't, I, I, I in the past I've, I've loved these guys. Um, but like relying on tough shot makers is just not, it's just not the easy way to go. Um, so being able to get easy looks at the rim is definitely important. Um, but yeah, the, the, the shiftiness and the craft is there to where he is getting to his mid range spots and, and, and some nice shots from three, but I do want to see him get to the rim more often. Um, he actually got to the rim five times in two games. So it's not like the worst, but not the best either. Um, two for five in the in the two tournament games. But I, I actually thought he had some nice passes in the Tennessee game. Like I actually thought in general he was really, really good in the Tennessee game. Um yeah. but yeah, he's someone where I still think it's more of like a okay, next year, let's see what you can do for the full season like put this last month and a half or two together all next year and you have a pretty solid prospect, get to the rim a little bit more often, shoot better for the full year. And like, okay, let's, let's, let's check you out. Um, that That's where I am with him. But I do think the last month or so of the season, or even just the last few weeks, he has, he's been a lot better than he was to start the year. Cause he really struggled early in the year. Yeah. And I, I do want to say too, like I probably came off a little bit harsh on Tyrese. I just mean in general, when you're looking at, like I saw like, some stuff like oh Tyrese Proctor this is star stuff and like I do think like the shot making thing is really interesting and it was really cool to see him do that with the level of ease and comfort he had but it is just worth noting to me what the actual playmaking is for me um so yeah again that's not intended to seem extremely harsh but that's just where I'm at right now yeah so for me I think my bigger question of getting to the rim would come up with Dariq than it would with Tyrese Proctor right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like Tyrese Proctor is better than Dariq getting there as a whole, but I, I think like 
recently when we've seen Dariq's better games, it's all just been because of this shot making pretty much. Um, it hasn't really been because he is, is getting to the rim very often. Um, looking at these last two games from him, he had, he was two for two in the two games at the rim total. So one attempt each game at the rim, um, doesn't mean he didn't shoot well. He was five for eight from three. So like he, he shot well, it was hot, sh- hot shooting stretch from him, but um, he's a tough one because of he doesn't look a hundred percent healthy still. Um, and we're not going to get another look at him until, <laughs> um, until he gets drafted and he's in the league. So like, I think it's, it's interesting to know like how AJ Griffin looks this year. Um, compared to how he did last year when he came back from injury and, and and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes guys, when they come back from injury, it's not like, oh, they're back from injury, they're ready, or they're going to be ready in three months. Like, sure, I think we saw a little bit in February where he looked better than he did when he first started playing this year. But how is he going to look next year? Is he going to look that much better next year with his with his movements and everything? Is he going to be able to get back to the rim more often? That's something where it's going to be tough to, to decide with a prospect like him. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I wish he was able to get to the rim a little bit more often recently. It's, it's just been basically like a good or bad game based on his shooting right now. Yeah, I agree. It was just, uh, it was cool to be able to see him look comfortable getting into stuff in the mid range and from three. Um, that's like my only real takeaway. Um, yeah. He had 33 I, minutes in the Tennessee game, by the way, which tied his season high. Um, they obviously had Roach in foul trouble and then they tried taking Roach out for a few minutes in the second half. And then they brought him back in and they played a six man rotation pretty much, um, for the most part. Um, and they went into a zone to try keep Roach out of foul trouble, which was honestly, I don't think was the worst decision. I don't think it worked out for them, but I don't, I don't think it was like a bad approach to go about. Oh, we're in, we have Roach in foul trouble. We don't want to go to um, Jalen Blake's, so we're gonna go into a zone and keep Roach out of the, on the floor. Like if if you're if that's your thinking, like yeah, going to a zone is the right um, way to go about it to keep him out of foul trouble. It just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, overall, it, he he definitely. Derek definitely had more confidence and it was, it was definitely clear this game where he was like, Oh, I'm, I made a couple of shots. Let me get into the shot again. Like, let me put this up. So that was nice to see. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, What do we want to talk about next? So, so what were, what were your thoughts on Filipowski against Tennessee, oh, like defense? Oh uh, I, th- this one was tough. I think Filipowski does really interesting things that I really like. I think I always like it's uh it's uh, again very much not the same thing but like it reminds me sometimes of like Antoine Walker where it's like if I could just cut off everything except for what happens after the ball goes up I would be feeling so much better um like the finishing does continue to be a little bit of a problem um I think it's tough just because like their spacing is not good for being honest like that's fair like he has to play with Lively out there, and Lively's not a positive offensive player right now. But I do think he – like, I appreciate how physical he tries to play, how he can get to the line. Um, but also, like, the shot just hasn't really been there. Um, his post game is interesting. Like, I really like some of his moves, but the finishing has just not been there. And I think he struggled a little bit with with Tennessee's ability to match up with the size. 
but more that more than that because like i do think that's stuff that you can continue to work on and improve like just like i believe in finishing being able to improve but i i was talking a little bit about this with our friend ben pfeiffer i just wish his fuel for the game was a little bit better um where he really has struggled just in general for me this year is when he does get doubled. I don't think that he's terrible when he can like see the double team coming, but if help comes from outside of his field of view, I, that's where a lot of his turnovers come from this year. Like I do think he can make good passes and good plays, but like overall right now, I am a little bit underwhelmed by his core vision um, for somebody who does need to play out of the post as much as he does. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, like seeing him, like how is he going to finish and, and get to his spots to get this Tennessee defense is, is what, like, that's what you want to see. Like, that's what that's what you wanted to see from him. Um, Like, not that he did well in that, just like that's what you're looking for, right? Like seeing him go up against that kind of defense. Um, But yeah, do you, should we move on? I know we've been going on for a while, but there's still a couple more quick touch points to talk on. Yeah, for sure. What do you want to hit on? Um. We could do a quick uh, NC State and Baylor, like both played Creighton. So a quick talk about about those guys. Um, first of all, in that NC State Creighton game, um, Turk was a lot of fun. I I really appreciated how he was actually attacking um, Ryan Cockbenner's body when like Cockbenner is a really good protector, has good verticality and. Turk was very comfortable jumping straight into his body, keeping his balance and, and body control and finishing, which I found very impressive. Um, but I want to talk about Ryan Cockrenner a little bit more, actually, because he was a straight up dominant in this game. 31 points, 11 for 14 from the field, one for one from three, seven rebounds, two assists, three blocks. Like he was straight up dominant. And that three that he hit looked so smooth. He, he went up with confidence. I wrote about it before the season. I've talked about it before on here. He's someone where like, I'm not saying, oh, he is going to be a three-point shooter at the next level. I think it's always unfair to expect that from players. Um, but like from a projection standpoint, you and I have talked about how you need to be a volume shooter if you're a big to actually get the other big to close out on you. And if we were to talk about bigs who have that potential, I actually think he has some potential to be a volume shooter from three um now that's might take three four years to get to that point but i i think it's 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 possible with him and you have i like on playback you and i have watched evan mobley a lot recently um evan mobley's three-point volume and, and his shot his shot per, his his shooting projection i was not as high on as others were um and and it doesn't look that good right now and he still shoots a few here and there and he's capable of making shots but no one's really closing out on him um i i think cockbender has like a more optimistic optimistic shooting projection than like someone like evan mobley who you and i talked about recently yeah no i think that's fair he's somebody who i really wish had just taken more this year um oh no i agree exactly like you mentioned like i thought those mechanics looked awesome on the one shot that he did take um I like, yeah, I was generally impressed with that, especially too, because of how high his release is. Yeah. Um, like that's gonna be so hard for people to defend if he really reps on it. And I think like obviously I am not intending to compare him to Brooke Lopez, but I think when you're talking about somebody who has that kind of touch on the interior on hooks and uh all of those uh very high level like touch shots, 
I can see the ability for that to really translate to the outside, considering like I'm assuming he's somebody who just never really took threes growing up. Um, like that, that's something that's a skill that you can work on and improve. And like when you look at all the other signs of touch that he does have, especially like I would argue like being a really good shot blocker can play into touch for sure. Like your ability to to high point balls or to um just like your general palm accuracy on how you are swatting things. Like I think that that plays into touch. Um, so yeah, I totally see that with him. Cause he like, exactly. He was so good this weekend, especially yeah. against Baylor. Like I thought he was good against NC state, but against Baylor, he was like awesome. Yeah. So my, my mention of Mobley obviously wasn't a comparison, just like a shooting production thing. And, and same with you with Brooke Lopez. And, and yeah, I think Brooke Lopez is like the guy to come back to when like, you're talking about a big who ends up shooting, volume and that's actually what's changing the defense and makes it tough to guard i think that's like the hope with a with a player who like a big who you're going to project a shoot is you want to have that brooke lopez kind of volume so i think that makes a lot of sense and yeah baylor game cockbrenner was also awesome i think the numbers looked much better in the nc state game but like in, in the baylor game like his his role gravity opened up so much for their for their offense as a whole because baylor was trying to take that away and obviously baylor's defense has uh a lot of flaws but but yeah just a really really awesome weekend from from cockbrenner yeah i agree uh shireman did not have a great weekend i did not think uh like it's not that i thought he was bad but like obviously he just did not really hit his shots at all yeah i don't think anything different stand out or stood out from like kaluma shireman alexander and emhar i thought they were all mostly like up to par maybe like oh they had a bad game here or a good game there but nothing different to to what we've talked about before in the past because we, we have talked about creating a decent amount i feel like yeah no definitely um did you want to add anything about turk smith though because i know i touched on him a little bit but do you want to add on that uh, i just was impressed with him a ton in that game uh like you mentioned his ability to get to all three levels was such a problem for creighton uh it really didn't feel like they had an answer to him uh, until Trey, like Trey Alexander had some good possessions on him late. And it's not like I thought Trey was awful or anything, but I thought Turk was just so good at setting up his screens to, to give himself space wherever he wanted to attack from. Um, that was really impressive to watch. I thought he had some really nice passes in this game too. Uh, and defensively, like not that I think that he's an amazing defender, but I think he had some good rotations and, um, was overall pretty active and just like that was a really good game for him to leave off on uh, if he's not going back next year I should say if he was going to enter the draft um, I think that's a good game to remind people like hey I can do some really good shit so yeah so moving on to the Baylor game um, going into this game on playback I, I told you right like okay we just saw Turk attack Ryan Cockbrenner's body and finish at the rim I would love to see if Keontae George can do that again First few minutes of the game, Keontae goes right at Ryan Cockrenner, finishes through his body. And I'm like, oh, wow, like that's impressive. And then basically after that, there was nothing else on the on the positive side from Keontae. Unfortunately, it was a pretty, pretty rough game from him. How did you feel about him um, the rest of the way besides that, that nice finish? Yeah, I did not get to go rewatch this game, but I agree. He did not look comfortable. Um, he was pretty rough defensively in this game too. Um, uh, to be fair, all of Baylor was rough defensively. Yeah, the, the whole the whole defense was... was rough. And like and like when uh Frey and like so like Baylor would get into 
good defense for like the first 20, 25 seconds on a possession, like after like let's see here. Creighton would go on like a 6-0 run. Baylor would come back and, and play good defense for like 20, 20 seconds. And then like the last eight seconds of a possession, Baylor would be like, okay, well, let's break up. Let's break down on defense and give up a good look. And it was just every, every single time Creighton just kept on getting good looks against this is Baylor defense. Yeah, it was really rough. Uh, they could not stop the ball. Their lack of size really was felt in this one, I thought. Um, cause like you mentioned with the roll gravity, like they had to sink so much cause like, okay. Like they, they played Josh Ojangwuna a little bit, but he struggled in this game. Um, so it's like a lot of Jonathan Chamo Shashua and he's six, seven. So it's like when you have Ryan Kalkbrenner rolling in, like, yeah, you're going to have to help on that. It was, yeah, it, this was not the way that Baylor season was, uh, it, the way that I would have anticipated ending. Um, yeah, I want to shout out LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler. Both had some nice, nice showings this weekend as well, though. Um, they definitely have just they're just fun to watch in general. But the, the team in general, just uh, the defense was a big downfall of them this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, can we let's let's round out the weekend talking about Amari Bailey? Um, yes, who was fantastic uh, against. I cannot remember. Right UNC now. Asheville. <laughs> yes, yes, UNC Asheville, and then second team because my brain is broken today. Yes, uh, he and like part of it too. Like he was struggling with lower body injuries earlier this year. Um, but this is I we talked about this while watching. Um, he looks more explosive this like now over like the last couple of weeks than he did really at any point earlier in the season. Um. Like, I thought watching him in the Northwestern game, his ability to get into the paint and get to the rim um, and just kind of get to his spots was like, that's that's the best he's looked with that almost the entire year for me. When when you're factoring in, like, playing against one of the best defenses in the country, um, that was a really impressive game for him. Yeah, I think the last five games, so Jalen Clark went down six games ago in that Arizona game, unfortunately. But since Jalen Clark's been out the last five games, I think Amari Bailey has just been really, really awesome, at least in four of the five games. Um, he's actually averaging 17 points a game, shooting 38.5% from three, 62.5% from two, so 56.6 on the field, just 83 from the line. A little over three and a half assists, uh, just over these five-game stretch. He's just been awesome. Um, still will pass up some open looks from three here and there still misses a few shots at the rim that you'd like him to make. Um, but in general, he has looked so much better over the last few weeks and good for him. Um, especially if he can have another nice weekend here and and they can maybe go to the final four and then he plays well there. He's able to make up some of the, the stock that he might've lost earlier in the year. I still think there are these questions with the shot and some of the finishing, but just in general, he has looked so, so good for UCLA, like as an impactful winning player over the last five games. And, and he deserves a credit for that. 100%. He's somebody that I'm interested to see what this means for him. Cause like, if you think about it, like, all right, if UCLA has a final four run and he keeps playing like this, he's going to rise up for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think like he's somebody who will probably end up being a late riser anyways, uh, just based on pedigree and how he has looked as the years closed out. 
Um, but that will be interesting to watch because, like, I've just I've loved watching him play because we, we yeah. And shout out his passing, by the way, his, his passing the last couple of games as well, and they both attorney yeah. games have looked has looked awesome. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it a bunch before, but it's just like watching prospect Amari Bailey uh, compared to UCLA Amari Bailey is just so different, and I I really appreciate that. He's found a really good blend and balance in his game that I think makes him an even more intriguing NBA prospect. So I've enjoyed that. Um, okay. Let's talk about this weekend's matchups or the this week, week, weekend, whatever you want to call it. Um, what are you most excited to see about this weekend? Do you want to go each matchup or um, do you want to go through them all? We're already a couple hours in here. I feel yeah, like we we're good. Just, yeah. um, I'm very interested just to see. I think Miami and Houston is the game yeah. I'm most excited for prospect wise. Um, like, how does that look for Jarris? I think that's just going to be a really fun game and what it all brings. I also would say like Arkansas UConn probably has the most prospects in it. I think Arkansas is really going to struggle with UConn. Um, could be wrong with that because Arkansas. It'll be interesting because I think out. UConn wants to get out and run, and, and their offense has looked really good at times this year. But Arkansas defense has looked good, and UConn's defense has looked rough. So like it's definitely like a defensive team versus an offensive team. So that will be an interesting matchup, and and see how those prospects go and. The interesting thing was like the UConn game um, is St. Mary's didn't have the athleticism to actually attack UConn's poor defenders. While I think Arkansas can actually take advantage of that more. So that's where I'm a little bit intrigued there um, to where like Ricky Council, I even think like Nick, when he's playing better, is better than any of the St. Mary's. Yeah, I, he's probably still better than Ada Mahaney at like doing that kind of stuff a little bit. Um, and then you have we'll see how like Anthony back looks there and, and, and Jordan Walsh, but I think they're, they do have an outcome there. But aside from that game, um, I think Gonzaga UCLA will just be a lot of fun as well. Um, not a game that consists of the top prospects, but I also want to shout out Julian Strother has, has was really good in, against the grand Canyon um, in the, in the grand Canyon game. But, but yeah, I, I just, I think Gonzaga UCLA might be the best matchup of the weekend but i think uconn arkansas houston miami are the more intriguing prospect matchups yeah no i agree although um, xavier, xavier texas also will be a lot of fun yeah but. that should be a fun game and i do want to say last thing i would say uh i'm just interested to see how alabama handles san diego state's defense because that should be a really fun matchup i'm, I'm pretty confident they'll beat san diego state but i do think that there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff brought up by a very physical, uh, sizable defense. I agree. Well, Zach, I think uh, that was a long time. It was good. Uh, it was yeah, good. It was, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Definitely. Um, do you have anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. Um, everyone, we always appreciate the support uh, for our playbacks. So I know Mark brought it up earlier, but we will be live um Every day this weekend of games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 matchup. So if you have time to watch with us, even if you can like only stop by for five to 10 minutes, the support is very much appreciated. And if you can stay for longer and then talk in the chat, we're, we're always in there having a fun time and analyzing the game, but also answering prospect questions, just joking around. So if you have, if you have some time, please stop by and hang out because it's always a lot of fun. Most definitely. Well, to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Again, go rate and review the show if you've not already. Join us over on Playback. And most importantly, have your rest of your day.